Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Big. Strong. Yes. Welcome to Big Strong Yes, the show where we share our journey of reading three books that are inspiring us to embrace courage, creativity, and the call to adventure. Rising Strong by Dr. Brene Brown, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. We are most active on Twitter, so follow hashtag BigStrongYes for announcements and discussion. Follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones. You can also email us at BSY for BigStrongYes at Chipperish.com. If you are a Patreon supporter, we have a Big Strong Yes chat room on Discord where we both hang out and answer questions and give support. It's intimate, it's private to the Patreon supporters who go into that room, and you can go over 140 characters. Join us at patreon.com slash chipperish. Yes, and thank you to everyone for the support you've been giving the show and for participating with us online. Your tweets and your graphics, which are beautiful, and your comments and reviews, they just mean so much to us. If you enjoy Big Strong, yes, please review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the way, the best way to help us promote the show. Yes, and thank you to everyone that has submitted a review so far. They are wonderful. So the reading we'll be discussing today is Rising Strong, Chapter 7, The Brave and Brokenhearted. Next week's reading is Rising Strong, Chapter 8, Easy Mark, and Chapter 9, Composting Failure. (laughs) And I'm sure that those are going to be super easy chapters without a problem or nothing challenging. No, we're going to we're going to get out my old easy button that I brought from Staples oh, that you just push it. And it says that was easy. <laughs> going to be going to be a piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got to warn you guys. I swear if this episode is anything like the notes and the margins in my book, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of cursing this week. <laughs> I got so angry. Most of it I was like, "No, that's cool. It's chill. I'm good. Nothing was terribly challenging and it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be." And then I hit this one hard skid and I was like no so uh so this is going to be kind of interesting I'm going to try to keep it you know under wraps but I'm just letting you know up front if you're listening to this podcast like you know in the car with your kids in the back you may (laughs) want to save it for later when you got headphones I'm just saying And, and it's really interesting this week because we had completely different responses to this chapter yeah which is gonna be interesting this is yeah, this this one I pretty much cried the whole way through. Um, this chapter made me really sad and and just like a puddle of emotional distress. So, um, which also leads to cussing, right? But, you know, just <laughs> but you know what? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I've been so super emotional and like everything. You know, just uh, just a big slobbery mess but you have been you know i mean you were talking before about how like you you never cry and it's not something you like to do Mm -hmm. but i think that you've been getting like slowly through this process more in touch with your emotions i think you've been you've been feeling more emotional you've been acting more emotional you've been a little sillier which i really like i mean you know it's 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 really interesting i love that i I um I I'm either having an emotional breakthrough or I'm having a midlife crisis. So you know, I'm not saying it can't be both, right? Are I these mean, things we're both, right? Right? No, it's economies. We right. might do both of those at the same time. And you know what? So, That's not yeah, bad. We'll... You do this kind of work. You do this kind of work, like on a regular basis. I mean, one of the things I was talking to my therapist about is that, believe it or not, I'm kind of scared for when we finish Rising Strong. Because I've been making 
like really great progress. You know, my therapist was like, you yeah. are moving through this stuff fast. And I'm like, well, you know, I've been doing this podcast and, and talking with people and we've got the people in the discord chat room who have been, you know, I've been actually a little more active on it this week, you know, cause I was, I was more aware mm-hmm. of how I was holding back after the discussion that we had last week. And so I've been kind of like in there a little bit more and the things that people are posting and the insights that they're having have been so just unbelievably valuable. And, you know, and I, I I'm like, I'm doing all of this work, you know, because I'm doing it for the podcast. And when we get to big magic, I mean, that's going to be fun. And I'm really looking forward to that because I love that stuff. But it's it. I don't think it's the same kind of very challenging stuff that we're doing in Rising Strong. And I'm afraid that I'm going to stop making progress. My therapist isn't worried. <laughs> she's I'm like, not worried. You know, she's like, once you once you start moving, you you don't really go back. But um, but no, yeah, I don't know. I'm not like worried it's, about you. That I can do these things just for myself. I also felt really nervous about starting Big Magic, but for the completely opposite reason of what you just said. <laughs> I think big magic is going to be harder for me wow. than, than rising throne. Wow. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I got to say a lot of this podcast, well, pretty much all of it has been a surprise, has not been what I was actually expecting from it. It's It's been a lot better. I have to say there's been, it's been a much stronger experience for me. It's been a much more powerful experience for me, I think, than I, than I initially expected. So it's, it's a really fast roller coaster, but I like it. I think it's good. <laughs> it's been amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and a little unsettling. A little bit. Just because of the, the absolute um, kind of amazing power of it. It is. Um, yeah. It has been crazy powerful. Yeah. Down to, um, down to the homework, actually, mm-hmm. which is our next thing to talk about. Because when we originally sketched out a framework for this, we didn't include homework. No. And that just kind of organically it happened. Evolved, yes. During, uh, you because know, during Professor Kelly kept telling me I had to do shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure that that was probably my fault. I can own that. That's no, it's okay. okay. I, I actually, love I like giving it. out homework. I like it. I think the homework, I think the homework is a very natural part of this and, uh, and it's good. Yeah. yeah. I would love, if I had like programming skills, I would love to make a big, strong yes homework app. Oh yeah. That it would be like, Dr. Jones says, go outside and give yourself a hug. <laughs> or you know you have been ordered to take two mimosas and call me in the morning i like that one why why are mimosas never my homework dr jones what is that about you you will get a mimosa you will get there thank you so so how did your homework go this week yes speaking of homework um my homework was to make the list of things that are okay and things that are not okay and as everybody heard you know live on the podcast i struggled with that you gave me my first one which thank you very much if you can get me started on something usually I can do the rest um with it's not okay to lie to me it's okay to tell me the truth yes. it is not okay to lie to me um and so I found myself kind of starting with that and then moving into you know I started just scribbling stuff down and most of them were about number two like all of the things that he had done which were not okay which was an extensive list and uh and after a while <laughs> though of that it started to morph you know I I started talking to myself about the things that that I do to me that are okay Mm -hmm. and that are not okay most of them are not okay um and I mean the realization 
that I've had is that there's there's almost no one, with the exception of number two, who has really worked hard to be the most vile person in my life. Um, mm-hmm. There's no one who has treated me worse than I treat myself. Like, I am horrible to myself. One of the things listening to the podcasts, and, you know, we both do this, we are so vile to ourselves. We are so yeah. hard on ourselves. We are, you know, self-deprecating is, I suppose, the mm-hmm. kindest way to express it, but it's not. It's It's... <laughs> It's really, it's, it's just horrible. Like we are so cruel to ourselves. We speak to ourselves in ways that we would never speak to anybody else. So a few examples of the things that, that I kind of started jotting down just as I started going on this, you know, this wild tear, um, was, uh, it is okay for me to do things that are just for me. Like, you know, at the end of Rising Strong, I can go into the Brene Brown class that I bought and paid for and actually follow through and take that time and do it just for me. And that's okay. Um, It is not okay to accept abuse because I love someone or because I want them to love me. Um, And it's, it's not okay to try to control people by lowering my standards. Now, I know that that's not a terribly generous read of what I do. But, you know, I thought about it. And I'm like, if I'm not doing this specifically to make people love me you know which i think is is wrong like it's it's wrong to try to make somebody love you you know um and i think that i, I don't think do it's that wrong to, try to, to want make people... to be loved though no to want I, to be I, loved I is think... not a thing but to try to like it yeah. is it is manipulative right to lower all of my standards and say i will accept anything just love me and you know what the thing is that the love the quote-unquote love that you get from that is not real you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's damaging. No, the love you get from that is not real, but I still think that's a pretty harsh judgment of yourself. It is. So right after I said that I should be nicer to myself, I went in and did that really yes. hard judgment of myself. So what yes. I'm saying is mm-hmm. it's, it's a process, right? Yeah. But I, okay. But first of all, I love that you made the list mm-hmm. and I am incredibly proud of you because you did not send this to me ahead of time. Like you no. wrote this for yourself and mm-hmm. you kept it to yourself. I did. And that is fantastic. Yeah. So see, I'm growing yeah. as a human being. You are. See, I'm saying good and things I, I about hope, myself. Yes. <laughs> and I hope you will continue to add more to the it is okay column. Yeah. Because I think the inclination is to, to add things to the not okay column. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it would be really great for you to continue to add the positive things on the okay side. So mm-hmm. this is fantastic. You get like an A plus gold star. <gasps> Thank you so Super. much. Oh, I like that. Mimosa. Thank you. you, yes. <laughs> oh, I you get, get a, a mimosa. mimosa. <laughs> yeah. It's like Oprah, <laughs> you great. get a mimosa and you like, get a mimosa. Yeah, that would have, that would have made me go to the Oprah show, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but all joking aside, I mean, you really did a fantastic job with this. I'm really oh, proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. How did this your homework go? Well, here's the thing. When you are a smart ass to the universe, mm-hmm. the universe will be a smart ass right back. <laughs> and so my my homework was to challenge the bad stuff that I said to myself last week. Oh, yeah. So I did some journaling and I did the reflection thing and I did the deep thinking thing. And then the universe was like, oh, nice try, honey. And it slapped me with a homework assignment that I did not want. And I did not ask for that <laughs> <laughs> put me in a position where I had to ask for help. I am also challenging myself to tell this story now without talking to myself badly because my Good. first draft of this started with, I was such a fucking idiot that dot, dot, dot. Oh. So I'm going to try again. Good. Good. Good <laughs> I will you. say, um, I had a very stressful week. Mm-hmm. 
I have a lot of things going on. I'm getting ready to move into a new house. Life is crazy. I have boxes everywhere. Um, and when I get overwhelmed, I get a little scattered mm-hmm. and forgetful. And so um, I was almost out of gas. I noticed it on my way into work. I have a really long commute. I don't have time to stop in the mornings. Um, so I was like, fine, I'll go right after work. It'll be okay. After work, I did remember to drive to the gas station, which was, that was a plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I literally pulled in on fumes. <laughs> And the car died at the pump, and, like, I could not even turn the car back on. Like, it was oh out of gas, okay? Aww. Me and Captain Mal Reynolds, we were out of gas, yeah, right. baby. Like, I was done. And <laughs> so I was like, that's fine. I made it to the gas station. Everything's great. Except I didn't have a wallet. Oh, my God. Because I left it at home. And I live an hour away from where I Aww. work. And so I had no money. And I had no gas, and my car would not start. No cash, no wallet, nothing. And I thought, okay, I'm smart. I have a backup plan. I have Apple Pay on my phone. This is going to be fine. <laughs> Except the gas station did not take Apple Pay. Aww. And I did not have enough gas to get to one that did. <laughs> so I had to call a friend who worked not very far away and ask them to come save my ass and bail me out. And she did because she was wonderful. And I had to say, I am literally completely stuck and I need help. And oh, and then I sat there in the car and I thought, this fucking podcast, (laughs) (laughs) this is is homework. Like the universe just gave me homework. Right. If you don't do your homework, the universe will do it for you. Oh my God. I did not apparently give myself a true enough homework assignment last week and so the universe took care of it for me and decided to strand me in the middle of downtown with no gas and no money (laughs) and nothing to do but to call for help and so i thought well though (laughs) if nothing else i can turn it into a story for the show there you go it's always it's always fodder for the podcast you can always do that So, so the, but it is funny because in little ways and in bigger ways, this, this show has kind of taken on a life of its own and, you know, and it's like, once you start that kind of momentum, Mm -hmm. you can't really, like, you have to go along for the ride. And, and it's hard for me because I, I'm not one to throw up my hands on a roller coaster and (laughs) scream with joy. I'm one to sit there and calculate the statistics of a wreck and be like, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. A little uncomfortable, but, yeah. uh, but you know, it was, it was kind of funny. Wow. Too, so. Well, I'm really proud of you. So how did it feel? I mean, you asked for help and somebody who cares about you came and helped you. And I mean, yes. how was that experience for you? Incredibly uncomfortable. Oh. Um, I felt stupid and I felt irresponsible and my friend did not judge me at all. She was like, Hey, this happens to everybody. It's no big deal. Yes, it does. Didn't bother her. It wasn't. You know, it was just like, sure, I'll come help you out. No problem. Okay. Did you thought, feel well, loved and appreciated by this friend who came to I your did. aid? Yes. Good. I did. Good. I felt loved and appreciated and, and cared for. Mm-hmm. And that was great. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, it was really good. good. So yes, a very humbling homework experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> the accidental homework. <laughs> yes. And, and by the way, universe, if you're listening, no more. I got the message. Thanks. Right. We don't need any more help with the homework. You will do your homework this week. I'll bet. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. Damn right. <laughs> so what about you? What, um, what kind of reflections have you had this week? Oh God. Well, you know, 
we were having the conversation about like, you know, I'm never going to be in love again. I'm never going to like, it's just never going to happen. This whole thing, you know? And then we were talking about boundaries and standards and all this kind of stuff. And, and so I had this experience, which happens like every couple of weeks, like number two, I don't want to talk about like the details of it, but basically I'll be in a situation where I have to call him. I have to talk to him. And then he gets on the phone and we go through this whole thing and he's lying. Like, I know he's lying the whole time, but he, he like, he shows me my husband you know, and the right. thing is, is that like, um, I'm going through this divorce process from this like guy who's a really bad guy, but my husband, the guy that I believed he was, is a different person. And that person, right. basically the experience, the emotional experience that I'm having is death, you know, like my husband is dead, you know, and then there's this horrible, horrible monster who is running around in his body. You know, it's, it's very much like that's the emotional reality, even though it's not the reality, reality, the reality, reality is I never knew this man in the first place. But, um, but anyway, so, you know, I had this experience when I was a kid, um, you know, I've always loved those stories where people come back from the dead. It's, it's like one of those things that always gets me is when somebody, you know, when the miracle happens and you think they're dead, but they're not, or they, they come back or whatever, you know, it's just that, that reunion when you feel like you've lost somebody forever and and they're back. And I think part of that comes from when I was 12 years old, my father died very suddenly. Uh, We had no idea, Uh, you know, there was nothing like that we knew about that was wrong with him. He just had a heart attack and boom, done, you know, and that was it. Um, And I remember when I was a kid, like my mother had this, this, uh, like, you know, movable kind of armoire in the, um, in the back, like on the, on the porch or whatever. And she put all of his clothes in there cause he, they were divorced at the time. So we had to go to his apartment and get all this stuff. And she just shoved it all on this, on this porch deck, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and I would actually crawl inside. This sounds so sad and I'm so like, it's, it's so tragically like dramatic and heartbreaking, but but I would go into the closet and I would gather, he had all these blazers that he wore and he wore like the, I swear to God, the corduroys with like the elbow patches, like that was my dad, you know, and they smelled like him. And I would go inside this dark closet and I would wrap my arms around all of the blazers until it felt like about his size, you know, and I would just sit in there and cry and hug those, that bulk of blazers, you know, wanting him back. And so whenever number two shows me my husband, it's like, that that feeling again it's that grief you know and I end up Mm -hmm. in this horrible space where you know where I think well you know he's mentally ill which you know he is sociopathy is is a mental illness I mean that's you know like or if he's not a sociopath then whatever he is, is is a mental illness I mean there's something seriously wrong you know and um and then I think about it like that and I think, you know, maybe I can help him and maybe my husband can come back. Maybe my husband's alive in there somewhere and I can, you know, and it is this, this unbelievable torment for me. You know, it is a couple of days of just living in, in hell. And I mean, I've gotten to the point in, in, you know, these, these interactions where, you know, I'm not living in his reality anymore. He's not warping my reality. I know what reality is, but mm-hmm. but I'm thinking about the possibility that that maybe the man I love is stuck in there. You know, is stuck right. inside somewhere. Um, and and so it takes a couple of days. Then I realize that that you know the man that I love is non-existent, and the man that I'm talking to is lying to me and manipulating me, and you know, throwing and showing me my husband to for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, 
And, uh, and so it's, it's just, I come back from it a little bit faster now. I bounce back a little bit faster and I mean, that's good. Um, but you know, I realized that during that time where I think my husband might come back, I'm not happy. I'm not like Mm -hmm. excited. I'm not like, oh my God, maybe this thing can happen. You know, I want my husband to be alive inside this monster and he's not, you know, but even if he is like, he doesn't love me anyway, you know, um, and the, I'm looking to a third party once again to confirm my lovability. Like the fact that he loved me, you know, for me for so many years made me feel like that was where my value was, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But even when I have been loved, like my first husband, you know, um, he loved me. I know that he did. And he still does, like not in that way. Like we love each other as friends. We've known each other for, you know, 20 years. And and it's just we have an incredible amount of affection. But he genuinely loved me. And I didn't believe like that didn't convince me of my lovability. So like this is something that somebody else cannot give me, you know. So I've been trading my happiness so much for like this mirage of of some confirmation of love ability that, that I'm not getting anyway. So all of this to say, all of this long evolved story, I don't know why I'm going into so much detail on this, um, to say that like the next time, should there be a next time, which I'm telling you right now, I'm not inclined, <laughs> like, you know, should there be a next time? Should I fall in love again? I made up a, you must be this tall to go on this ride list, you know? <laughs> like, okay. So for the record, yes. I will go on record in writing, in voice, whatever the podcast equivalent of signing something in blood to say, hell yes, there will be a next time. Okay. Because you are a woman with great capacity to love and you deserve to be loved. Yeah, I can love my dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> But I think like not looking for lovability for someone else is because it has to start from yeah. you you have to love you well and that's first. the thing like i gotta i gotta use my capacity to love on myself first which means i gotta be nice yes. to myself that's the first step so like there are a lot of steps before we get to the point where anybody is going to be looking at this list but i wrote up this list like of the I things that list. i require okay yes. okay i am such a fan of this list <laughs> i do not have words to contain my love so tell us so about here, the list. here are all the things you must be this tall to go on the lonnie ride first of all you must be <laughs> a grown-ass man you know you gotta be yes. like grown up not of this kid bullshit you know i'm I'm too old for that um i I want somebody who's passionate about his work and that doesn't have to be work that he makes money doing it doesn't have to be like what however he makes money is different but like when i'm talking about the work it's it's the thing that you engage with and that you care deeply about and that you're passionate about like that's the work and it can be a hobby or something but like I, i need somebody who understands the way that i'm passionate it doesn't have to be the same thing but i think it's very difficult for people who don't understand that which is like my first husband you know to be mm-hmm. with somebody who who is like that it's it's really yeah. difficult because it feels like you're not getting attention and and you know it, it can just be tough so I, I want somebody I don't have to worry about that somebody will understand that um he's got to mm-hmm. live on his own it's okay if somebody's living with him as long as he's head of the household and he's not like you know living off of anybody else um he has right. to be financially secure because I don't want anybody who needs anything from me I don't want to have to be responsible mm-hmm. for taking care of him you know financially um I want him to be smart you you know, ideally somebody yeah. who's smarter than me. I love people who are smarter than me, you know, and, and mm-hmm. all of my friends pretty much are. I'm just like, I very much look for people who are smarter than me to hang out with. How about as smart as you? Let's be As smart here. as me or better. There you go. Okay. What smart? Is, anyway, as smart he as must you. Be smart. He must be as smart as me. Yes. Um, good and sense honestly, of humor. 
nothing. There is nothing sexier than, than smart. a smart person. Oh yeah, no, smart is everything. Smart is everything. It really is. Um, So somebody who's a good sense of humor can laugh, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and honestly, looks don't matter to me at all because I will fall in love. Once I fall in love with somebody, that person becomes attractive to me. Like the first guy that I ever really fell in love with was in college. And the first time I ever saw him, I thought, wow, that's a funny looking dude. Like the first time I met him, (laughs) I just looked at him and I'm like, he's, he's just, he was a funny looking dude. But I Mm -hmm. swear to God, to this day, if I meet somebody who looks like that guy, because I fell in love with him and I thought he was the most handsome thing in the world after that, like I, I will still find that kind of look attractive, you know, because I fell in love with that guy, you know, in college, you know? So, um, so I, I, you know, like looks honestly really don't matter at all. Um, honest with me and with everybody else no wives no girlfriends yes. i am not a cheater and i won't be you know uh the other woman so that's a thing mm-hmm. um he must have friends and family uh that i can speak to you know um that will actually vouch for him not made up people uh which is what number mm-hmm. two had for the first year of our marriage um do, you know he shouldn't want to get married and and no more kids if he has kids that's fine but like that's that's done <laughs> like i'm not doing that again um yep. emotionally connected you know able to talk about emotions, able to understand his own emotions, you know, to a certain degree. I don't expect him to be like Brene Brown or anything, but you know, just, just, <laughs> just good with it. Um, you know, and, and like the thing is like good and bad can be taught. Cause the thing is that whenever you're with somebody, you got to teach them how your body works. Everybody's body works differently. So like this idea of like, if the first time you're together, it's not like blowing your mind, then that's ridiculous. Cause you have to teach somebody how to be in bed with right. like somebody like, so what I'm saying is that not that necessarily that he's good in bed, I'll teach him that, but that he wants to. That he's got like, you know, a, yeah. a sex drive, basically. I would know? say, well, but more than that. Mm-hmm. So teachable. Yeah, teachable. Wanting to learn. Right. As in won't be offended, you know, right. when you say. Yeah, but more than that. Yeah. There's wanting to learn what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he loves you and wants you to feel good. Like, right. that's a different kind of teachability. And not insecure. So, like, because the thing right. is that sometimes people yes. can get so insecure about sex. And the thing is, is that yes. like, you know sex is something like there are certain skill sets that you need to have. There's certain things that you can learn that are going to work pretty much, you know, for everybody, but everybody's different. Everybody's got different things and you have to learn every person that you're with, you know, mm-hmm. cause they're all, they, they got different little quirks yeah. and whatever. And so you learn, like, if you care enough about this person, you learn how to be good in bed for them. And it may be different from the way you were good in bed with the last person, you know? So you have to be open yeah. to that and not like super insecure, you know, you have to be secure. That's the thing. Confident, and secure, confident <laughs> right. and secure is what I want. So, yep. you know, and, and like, honestly, I look at that list, which is not a terribly long list and I don't think horribly demanding, but I look at that list and I swear, and this is honest. I know I shouldn't be saying this stuff, but this is just honestly what I, and I got to that. Well, who do I think I am? Like what kind mm. of man like this is going to want me? I mean, I'm old, I'm fat, I'm damaged. Who in the world is going to want me? You know, who has me on their list, you know? And I'm, and I look at that and I just think, okay, you know, whatever. But I'm glad I made the list at least. I'm glad I I looked at it and I said, okay, should this ever happen to me again, which I don't think it will, you know, these are the standards that I'm going to hold to, you know, and then I'm going to say these are the things that I need. So when I grade homework, (laughs) I I knew I I was going to get in trouble for saying that. I do not grade in red. Mm -hmm. I grade in green and purple. Mm Mm-hmm. And I start with the the good comments first. Mm -hmm. So your list is fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
I love the list and I love the fact that you wrote it Mm -hmm. and I love that it's authentic to what will make you happy. Mm -hmm. So your next homework (laughs) is, is challenging the fact that you don't deserve that list. So the, who do I think I am? Right. What kind of man is going to want you, what baby? Kind of prize Whoever am qualifies I? for that I mean, list. My God. No. So I I want you to challenge. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just said who is going to want me? Who has that on their list? Mm-hmm. I want you to to literally write a response to that. Oh my God. So you now have to make a list of all the things that are wonderful about you. <laughs> Oh, and then I will God. personally make okay. you a mimosa. Okay. All right. I want the mimosa then. <laughs> yeah. So I'm serious. And and there can be no contradictory qualifiers, but nothing. This uh, has to be a good list about okay. you. I will I will I will do my best. So um so what about you? What are your reflections for the week? I just went on for like a half hour about me. Why don't we talk about you for a little bit? <laughs> I like talking about you. Yes. Um okay. So <laughs> When I was I was thinking about this mm-hmm. um, and listening, you know, to the the episode that we did mm-hmm. and and the wonderful response from people, yeah, and the the comments from folks are so kind and they're mm-hmm. not just polite; they're like fiercely kind. Oh, I love that <laughs> description. I'm, fiercely kind. Yes, oh. and fiercely kind mm-hmm. is also sexy as hell. It really is. And just wonderful mm-hmm. and just, you know, attractive and, and just like whoever it comes from, that fierce kindness, if mm-hmm. you're capable of that, you're someone I want to be friends with. Yeah. And and seeing that from people who I don't know, who don't know me, is, is amazing. I mean, it's a kind of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sort of basking in, in the happiness of the wonderfulness <laughs> for a while. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, except... We're only showing the good parts <laughs> of me on the show. So like for every sweet thing that someone says, I feel like I need to respond and say, yeah, but like, oh, okay, yeah, no, but I you don't know you. this, I like, hear you. you know, and it is so awful. Um, and so like, I feel like you were, you know, you, you give me so much credit for getting a, a graduate degree. And I thought, well, um, sure, that sounds great. <laughs> But <laughs> the truth is, um, I became an educator because I was a teenage delinquent. And like, I just feel like I don't need to like only show the good parts of those stories. And it's, it's just really difficult to try to find that balance there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's still that pull between not good enough and, and who do you think you are? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think it would be funny to tell you the reason that I started teaching. <laughs> And so this is also incredibly embarrassing. So here we go. But when I was in the 11th grade, Mm -hmm. um, I was dating a guy who had already graduated from high school and his house was on the way to my school. And needless to say, on more than one morning, I took a detour (laughs) and (laughs) didn't go to school. Uh (laughs) And I, I think I might've won an award for the most days skipped by a junior in my high school. Um, it was ridiculous how much I skipped school oh to go God. see him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And um, so I got a lot of detention mm-hmm. because I skipped a lot of school. And my homeroom teacher had to, like, she was responsible for my detention. So she had to stay mm-hmm. with me. And she was, you know, sick of it. And she was also my <laughs> English teacher. And so she's like, look, if you're going to keep making me stay after school to give you these stupid attentions, 
then you're at least going to help me out. She's like, you're good at mm-hmm. English. You're a good writer. And she had a group of students that were failing English who had to stay after for tutoring. And so she's like, you're going to tutor these people because I'm sick of looking at you in detention. <laughs> and I was like, you know, fuck you good and everything her. you stand for. I am not <laughs> teaching anybody. I'm not going to be a teacher. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I seriously owe that woman a beer. Um, <laughs> and so I, because I was in so much trouble and um, was such a bad student, I ended up having to tutor people <laughs> as a punishment. Um, and I fell in love with the process of helping somebody figure something out um, and actually helping them and like seeing the light bulb go off over mm-hmm. someone's head. Like you can tell when they get it or helping them understand something that they didn't think that they understood. Or mm-hmm. like we were reading Wuthering Heights and Frankenstein and um, and getting people to care about a story mm-hmm. that I loved mm-hmm. that they didn't care about was was amazing to me, you know, yeah. and so um after many more years of failing out and not doing well, I mean, I didn't go straight from detention to being a teacher. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I went to college and dropped out and went back and failed out. And then I was on academic probation. And I mean, I was a terrible, terrible student. And uh, but then I got pregnant my sophomore year of college. And so when I went back after my son was born, I went back with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. And I went back with, you know, determination to graduate. And then I ended up getting my first job. The college hired me to help students who were flunking out. Uh-huh. And so if you were on academic probation, you had to come in and see me. And, and I started tutoring students who were having trouble and came into teaching completely the back way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it wasn't this like glory, you know, super polished path to academia. Oh, my God. And okay, just... look, you, you have to, I have to stop you. <laughs> I have to stop you. That story makes me love you even more. That story <laughs> is amazing. Who is going to understand these kids who are flunking out and who are struggling but still have something within them than somebody who went through that experience? The fact that you went through that experience, that you had this revelatory, you know, moment where, you know, you were forced to do this like terrible tutoring, you know, and that it lit something inside of you and that you, you struggled and yet you still went back and you did it. If that story was supposed to make me respect you less, you have <laughs> failed. You have well, failed. <laughs> the thing is, so I think it depends on where where you align yourself in academia. Uh-huh. So there are the, the high performers, you know, the highly polished, the extensively published the, you know, the the CVs that are shiny and glowy and, and the people that went to Ivy League school yeah. are, are just these, you know, exceptional academics. And I am not one of those and I never will be. Um, but if you walk into a, a classroom and mostly I teach adults mm-hmm. who and most of them, it has been a while since they went to college. I think like my average student age is around 38. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them have tried and failed before those are my learners and i understand you know i get what they're going through and but it's just a very different kind of teaching (laughs) and you know i i'm not going to be the the you know the highly published person if you look at my transcripts especially as an undergraduate like i hate applying for like a faculty position or an Mm -hmm. adjunct teaching job because you have to send your transcripts and my graduate transcripts are great i mean i kicked ass in grad school 
but my undergraduate transcripts. Oh, like what? So oh my you, God! Oh, you wait, are somebody but, but, who gives just, people hope. You could just—I can't <laughs> even with this. I can't even with this. This no. comparative so like, idea you know, that you don't. What you do is, well, is valuable. You know, if you take a class and you drop the class, you get a W. Uh-huh. Right. It's like a withdrew yeah. grade. Yeah. So if you look at my undergraduate transcripts, I actually have more W's than grades. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> literally. And now you have your PhD. <laughs> like the fact that you started out from this place where you stumbled and you didn't let that stop you. You kept going and now you're doing this work where people who have stumbled, where people who didn't have everything laid out for them and didn't have everything perfect from the moment they started, who weren't born on the finish line, you know, that you are standing there teaching them as an example, not somebody who's like, oh, well, you people are all the fuck ups and I'm just here because I'm stuck, but I'm here teaching you because I am you. Like that yeah. is the thing. It is that ability to, to show people, you know, that, that they can do the thing, whatever it is that they're going back to school to do, they can do because they see you and you did it. You did it. How is this story supposed to make me think less of you? No, it's, it's I not don't necessarily supposed to, to make you think less of me. I just, so I struggle a lot with, um, imposter syndrome especially in academia it's just one of those things no and i understand that because there's a lot of people in academia that it's all about publish and all that kind of stuff but what you do the work you do is amazing i feel you know Brene brown is an academic with a capital a that's just who she is and i i don't feel like that it's just it's something i still struggle with um, a lot so it's not it's not meant to be negative. Like I really am trying to be nicer to myself. Oh, I just didn't want to sound like this super high achieving, like, you, I, are, you know, like though. there's real struggle in there. And I just, I feel like I need to be, and, and maybe I need to even appreciate that a little yeah, more. Like no, I, that's impressive. You know? That makes you even more impressive. That makes everything that you've done even more impressive. <laughs> and I, yeah. Mm. It's just trying to tell a kinder story about myself. Like that's, that was my, my, my homework, right? It's like trying to to tell a kinder story. Um, And also like if you come to something not from a great start, Mm -hmm. you can still do something good with it, Yeah, you know, which I think is, which I think is, is good. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and and I also had forgotten that story. Like I didn't think about it much. So it was fun to go back and kind of write it out and, and, and to kind of think about it. Well, so. I'm glad you shared that story. I think it's, it's an incredible story and it's like, it's warming my heart, you know, because it's, <laughs> it's just, it's so amazing. And I think that it gives everything that you do such incredible meaning. And I mean, that's the thing that matters. Like, you know, we're here for such a short time and doing things that have meaning and that matter are so important. And here you are doing this incredible work and, and having struggled, having gone through all of that. I just think that's, it's the most heartwarming thing. Like, you know, you're giving me all these like little, little warm fuzzies about this thing. And And then, you know, but, but I don't know. I feel like you see it as something that, and maybe I'm misunderstanding, but I feel like you see it as something that takes away from your accomplishment. And it, doesn't at all i guess i'm just trying to reconcile that within myself i guess i, I understand is, that i do you know it, yeah. but it is really hard because you know when people are giving you such amazing support 
you feel like at some point you have to say, wait now, you're only seeing the nice parts of me. You don't see the ugly parts of me. And like you just, you know, so it, it's no, just one of those things. This is who you are. Like, um, and I think that both of us are being very genuinely who we are. I mean, everybody has uglier moments. God knows I yeah, do, oh, you yeah. know, oh, but yeah. I think that. I, I don't know. I think that these people do know you. I think that they're getting the genuine you. I mean, I talk to you a lot privately and you're not any different on the podcast. <laughs> like it's, oh, it's God, pretty no. much, I, mean, I think anything... you're a little more, you have a little more discretion <laughs> no. about some of the details that you'll share, right? Obviously, which is normal and makes sense. You know, I apparently yeah. have absolutely no discretion when it comes to that. I'm just sharing everything. Um, well, but no, but, but that wall is falling down a little and yeah. it, it is funny because when we first started this, I thought, well, I'll talk about the book. Right. That'll be great. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to talk about the book. I had no intention of talking about myself. And so <laughs> that is still incredibly uncomfortable. But it's wonderful that you're doing it, though, because your story, I think, is really important. And it is, you know, it's the sharing of these stories. When people share their stories, you know, I find the stuff that they share, even the stuff that isn't like my experience, to be so incredibly powerful and so brave. And there's so many people out there, you know, because of this podcast doing that. And I think if it comes from the fact that you're sharing your stories and I'm sharing my stories and, um, you know, it's, it's an unexpected, you know, thing, it's an unexpected, you know, um, outcome from everything that we've been doing, but I think it's, it's kind of amazing. And I love that you're doing that. I actually do see a difference in you. Like, you know, both privately and, and on the podcast, like I'm, you're, you're different from who you were yeah. just a few weeks ago and it's wonderful. You're happier. I am happier yeah. and it's, it's weird. Mm -hmm. Um, but, <laughs> but I did write like a side effect of this has been, especially the last week or two mm -hmm. is this true burst of creative energy. I love it. Um, and I'm getting more ideas and, um, laughing more mm -hmm. and talking more, which is also a shame trigger. Yeah. Because the minute I feel like I'm talking too much, then I, I feel like I need to, you know, calm down and not be so geeky and not be so loud. And, you know, um, but it's there and I, I'm, you know, geeking out more. Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to read fiction again, which oh, is different, wonderful. you know, mm -hmm. um, so it's a little bizarre and, and kind of exhilarating at the same time. And talking about what I want is giving clarity around that. And mm -hmm. the energy from that is pretty incredible. Good. But it also does come with a price because I've had mm -hmm. to realize that if I want to make space in my life to focus on like these two new things, mm -hmm. I want to focus on my health. Yes. And I want to focus on my creativity. Mm -hmm. Then that means two other things have to go. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have any more time right. now than I had before. Good. And so mm -hmm. I have to make those cuts kind of from my professional life mm -hmm. because nothing else can go. Mm -hmm. You know, this kid of mine still needs a mom. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I'm actually like, I, I'm on a board of directors and it's, uh, you know, kind of a big position and I was supposed to step up in responsibility next year and. It's actually something I'm going to step down from. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. is, it's difficult, you know, and it's been kind of a, a difficult decision to make, but I, I can't, well, I won't say I can't, I don't want to keep pouring myself into something that isn't making me happy. Good for you. And making a decision based purely on happiness is so weird. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. And I am so incredibly proud of you. We had that discussion, you know, privately about that board of directors thing. And, you know, there were all these things that you were saying about yourself in that discussion, you know, that were really not very kind. And 
but you managed to turn that around and make like, I think a really positive decision for yourself. And I'm proud of you because that's not easy. I mean, that's really hard for me to do too. Like if somebody's, you know, is depending on you to do something and you said you would do it. I mean, you know, it feels terrible to be like, no, I'm sorry, I can't, but you had such good reasons for doing that. And I think it's so wonderful that you're putting yourself first, at least in, in this area, at least a little bit. And that's incredible. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And I appreciate you talking me through it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little hard to admit that I, I think for a while I had truly lost touch with knowing what makes me happy. Yeah. You know, other than books and Buffy, because books <laughs> and Buffy always make me happy. Right. But, uh, but some positive psychologists suggest like revisiting your child self, like back to your nine year old self before mm-hmm. you developed all this self-criticism. Right. Um to, to remember what you loved. And so I went back through photo albums of me as a little kid and um, kind of with that, you know, like qualitative researcher hat on mm-hmm. to look for themes <laughs> and, yeah. and some things did emerge. So, you know, travel and road trips and driving and cameras and photography and music and dancing and plays and acting and rainbows and beaches and books um, are consistent. Yeah. There are things through my life that make me happy. And so I don't know how to tap back into all of them yet. But I think it's going to be a fun challenge. Oh, identifying them is huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. So, and then my final reflection for the week is um, it, it. this process is making me realize that I want more geeky friends. <laughs> so I am I'm lucky to have some wonderful friends in my life, mm-hmm. but not all of them share my story geekiness. And so like if a local writing conference or a geek con of some kind came to town, I don't really have any friends to go with. Mm-hmm. You know, and so Twitter has been great for meeting people with similar interests online and the Discord chat is fun. Yeah. Um, and I think it's hard to be 39 years old and say, hey, I'd like to make some more friends who are also geeks. <laughs> oh, God, no. At any age, that's a wonderful thing to do. And yeah, to find people who love the same things that you love. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, I mean, that's one of the things that I love the most about doing this kind of work, you know, is that Mm -hmm. I talk about the things that I'm a geek about. And then I get surrounded by people who love that thing, because otherwise, (laughs) they wouldn't come looking for me. You know, if they don't love Buffy, they're not going to come looking for me. So um, so it's it's a really nice kind of side effect of that. And I mean, that's how I met you, you know, because I because I was doing the podcast about the writing Mm -hmm. and the stuff. So I think that's just wonderful. I love all of that. I think that you've done incredible work this week. Thank you. So now that I have talked for the length of the entire podcast just about my reflections. Oh, stop. <laughs> I guess we should get into the reading. No, we're being nice to ourselves this okay. time. Remember, this is the week we start being nice. Oh, God. So after some honest sharing, <laughs> I guess we should get into the reading. All right. And I am totally it. throwing you under the bus and making you go first. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah, this was the chapter that was going to kick my ass, the brave and brokenhearted, which is something I couldn't even say in the first podcast without breaking into tears, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so going into this this chapter, I actually, it wasn't so bad. Like, I, I got to the stuff that, that pissed me off and makes me want to curse, and I'm going to get there, you know? But mm-hmm. let's start with the stuff that's not so bad. Like, you know... Um, there's the brave and brokenhearted. You know, she's talking about, uh, she's telling this story about this woman named Claudia, you know, and, uh, and her struggles with having a sister who, um, who was an alcoholic and, and had a lot of, a lot of struggles. And I could, you know, I sympathized a lot with, with Claudia because, um, because my brother, you know, was an addict all growing up and, um, and I don't, 
think he still is, but I don't know. I don't know what's true. <laughs> He's kind yeah. of a liar too, so I have no idea. Um, but you know, I mean, I I liked that story. I thought that story was fine. It didn't make me cry. I was okay. You know, I liked Claudia's observation that when you're face down in the arena, you know, you see the world differently from that vantage point. This, this mm-hmm. idea of that kind of perspective on page 138 in the hardcover, uh, Claudia said, if you open your eyes when you're down there and take a minute to look around, you get a completely new perspective on the world. You see more struggle, more conflict and suffering. And I thought about that in the way that like, yeah, when you're going through that, you know, you see it in other people. It's like when I bought a Prius, you know, suddenly there's Priuses everywhere. (laughs) So it's kind of like that. Like when you're going through it, you know, you see where other people are going through it and, and, you know, a space where ordinarily you might not necessarily see, you know, other people's pain and experience and, and conflict and struggle. And because you are face down with your face in the mud, you know, you see it everywhere else too. So I thought that was kind of like a, an interesting thing. Um, how did you mm-hmm. respond to that whole story? I had a really hard time with Claudia's story. Okay. Um, and I knew I was struggling because I got mm-hmm. all fidgety. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, when she described her interactions with her family as disappointing yeah. at best and intensely painful at worst, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, God, this is my reality, too. And yeah. setting boundaries with my family is, is where I struggle. And mm-hmm. I am completely out of place and disconnected. Like mm-hmm. black sheep does not even begin to, you know, if they're white sheep and I'm right. and I'm a black sheep, it's more like they're sheep. And I'm like, you know, an amoeba. I mean, it's it's just not even close. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, we literally mm-hmm. have a running joke that I was switched to birth mm-hmm. in the family. Yeah. And one of these days I'm going to buy like a DNA kit just to, just to and prove just see, it. Right? Yeah. It's so hard. Because That's how if I am you with my family too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you don't have acceptance and belonging and comfort mm-hmm. with your family, mm-hmm. where do you find it? You know, so I yeah. just, I really struggle with that a lot. And it hit me, Aww. it hit me a lot harder than I thought it was going to. Um, and I don't think it helped that I was also on that, you know, creative energy kick of <laughs> rereading favorite childhood books. Oh, yeah. um, because I, I went and reread A Wrinkle in Time. So I was parallel reading A mm-hmm. Wrinkle in Time with, um, Brene Brown. So if you want to overdose on <laughs> emotional, uh, you know, intelligence, yeah. read Madeline Lingle and Brene Brown in oh, the same week. Oh my God. Wow. That is, <laughs> that is quite the cocktail. <laughs> God, and it it just broke my heart because reading about, you know, Meg's lovely family just made me long for the same thing. And I want Aunt Beast to be my fairy godmother. Like it was like I was literally in tears over the audiobook just just because, you know, realizing that it is never going to be that way and you Mm -hmm. don't get to choose your family. Um, So that story really hit me a lot harder than I thought it was going to. Yeah. No, that's, it's tough. And it's tough when you come from, you know, a group of people that you don't really feel like you, you fit in, you know, and you wonder like, how did I, how did I come from these people? You know, like I look at my family and I think, how, how did I come from these people? And I look just like my mother. So I know there wasn't a switch at birth, Um, (laughs) but it is, you know, it's a little, it's a little sad and, you know, and I mean, I'm sorry that that was really hard for you, but I feel like it's such a good thing that you're so much more connected emotionally, you know, to your experience. And I think that that's a really good thing for you. I know it's really hard. Like I, I am not emotionally disconnected, like ever, 
Like I'm always, yeah. I'm always <laughs> on the verge of tears. I'm always on the verge of some wild emotion. Like I, I'm, I'm always connected that way and it can be exhausting, you know? So, so in a way, like I'm, I'm definitely got, got a little bit of jealousy, you know, that, that you got to turn that off a little bit, you know, but I think that there are times when you need to start feeling these things. And I think that part of the reason why this was the good time for you to have, you know, this experience of doing this podcast is because I think it's time for you to feel that. And, and some of the emotion that I'm seeing from you is laughter and joy and excitement. You like, you're feeling the full range, but you, you know, you let in the, the light and you let in, like you shut out the dark, you shut out the light, you know, you're letting in both now. One of the big takeaways from this is that mm -hmm. you don't get to selectively numb, right? right? That's, if you mm -hmm. numb the bad, it numbs the good at the same time. And yeah. so at least thawing out the hard stuff is thawing out the fun stuff. Too. Exactly. And I think um, that's wonderful. Yeah. But I do feel like an emotional wreck, right? I'm like, <gasps> I am having all these reactions to, if I swear to God, if Hallmark makes a new commercial this week, I'm toast. Like, I, <laughs> I, you know, it's ridiculous. Oh, but it's okay. Like, it's okay yeah. to cry and to have emotions. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, I know that you're uncomfortable with that. So if I, if I feel like you're going to start to cry in the podcast, I'll, I'll jump in and start changing the subject or whatever. But I appreciate that. Just make a sarcastic comment. I'll, I'll just right. make, I'll, I'll start <laughs> cursing, which I'm going to be doing very, yes, very soon. That would be really yes, good. Yes. Yes. So, but I yeah, mean, so I it yeah. is yeah but it it is um it is different and it is yeah. challenging it is incredibly uncomfortable mm -hmm. uh, but, but i'm, proud I, I'm of glad you, that you're walking me through it <laughs> you're experiencing it it's it's very it's very difficult to have that kind of vulnerability especially in a public place especially because this is your first podcast well no it's not your first podcast you did you did your old you had another podcast yeah, that you started but, you know but the first personal podcast it's How the is... first personal podcast <laughs> yeah. and it's very early in your podcasting career yeah. and uh and it's uh yeah it's it's a crazy experience um yeah. but you know I, I'm just incredibly proud of you. I think that, well, thank you, you know, you're doing amazing you work. I, mean, oh, I think this you. is, this has been a good experience, but um, yeah, this chapter was, was, it just made me sad, oh. which I did not expect Yeah, because well, I but can it's, it's argue. Good. You're processing those feelings though. Yeah. So, so what about you? I know um, you, you had a little, a little anger in this. Like there's oh. somebody in this chapter you don't like. I you had, yeah, him? this was, this was the tiny <laughs> anger, the big anger I'm going to get to later. Yeah. But this was Let's talk about the anger. little anger Let's first. Let's talk about the little anger, the little stupid, completely unjustifiable anger. I'm going to say that right out loud, like right first. The second anger I'm right on, but this one I'm not. Um, but you know, I was reading the part on expectations and resentments, right? You know, which mm -hmm. I totally, like it totally made sense to me. I was like right along with it. I'm like, yep, that's good. I understand expectations and resentment. And when you expect some, Thing and then it doesn't happen, you know, that can be really, really difficult. And like, I was fine with all of this. I'm like, yep, good, good. We're good. And then we got to the Disney world story. Yeah. We got to the, the thing with Steve. Right. And okay. I got, I hope Renee Brown never listens to this podcast. I would, I would love to meet her, but I would rather never meet her than have like to, to have this conversation in front of her. But, um, <laughs> I hate Steve. Like, I hate Steve. And I know that it's not like Steve's like whatever, you know, it's just there's just something about Steve. Every time she mentions him, it grates on my nerves. And I mean, here's the thing. He's so smug about her mystery novels. Like, oh, are you sure that your expectations are meeting reality? And, you know, here's the thing. Yeah, you're all going to Disney World. And, yeah, she has three mystery novels. Perhaps the way to address this is to say, hey, honey, 
why don't I take the kids to Disney World for a day? You take one of those three novels, decide which one you want to read and spend the day at the hotel by yourself in the bathtub reading your novel while I take care of the kids. And that way I can help you meet this expectation rather than tell you that, no, you're not going to read those novels. So put them away and stop being unrealistic. Like that bugged me so much. And there's just something about the way that she talks about Steve. And I mean, the thing is, is that she has to talk about Steve positively. Like even in his worst moments, he's like, not that bad, you know, like even with the speedo thing where she was really mad at him, (laughs) it was all a misunderstanding because he was thinking about how he would save their lives in the, the, you know, in the water, whatever. Um, So, but also like they're married and she is incredibly famous and fame sucks. Like, I don't know. I don't know why anybody would ever want to be famous. It's I, I, I'm not famous. I don't know the experience of being famous, but just looking at it from the outside looks like hell. I would hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like all of us, but she chose a very public life. He didn't. Um, if she was sharing things about him that were that were negative and that were critical of him, I wouldn't feel good about that. But there's something about the way that like everything she says about him has to be like super positive. That is right. And and appropriate and loyal, you know, in a marriage. And I think that that's fine. But for some reason it bugs me because it feels like that kind of false positivity that you have to express about somebody who can't handle it. If you say anything bad about them. And that's from my most recent marriage experience. That was, that was a big part of it. So, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting Mm -hmm. onto Steve Mm -hmm. You know, everything, mm-hmm. it, it triggers me all this stuff from number two, you know, and, and I worry yeah. that Steve's a big sociopath, but you know what? It's like the Prius, right? You start <laughs> seeing it everywhere. And maybe all of the little cars that I'm seeing are not actually Priuses, you know, <laughs> they just kind of look a little like Priuses. So, um, so anyway, like, yes, all of this I'm wrong about, and I'm going to like say that out loud, like I am wrong mm-hmm. about Steve. Brene Brown speaks completely appropriately about Steve. She shouldn't be saying anything bad about him. She shouldn't be sharing anything negative because he is a human being who has not chosen a public life. And that is a respectful and loyal thing to do, which is, which is a good thing. Um, But yeah, Steve pisses me off. I don't like him. (laughs) And it's just, I don't like the way he's represented in the book. I'm sure in real life, he's the most lovely human being. I'm sure he's wonderful. And I, and I do think it's completely contingent on your experience because i, I didn't even so notice too. i didn't notice it oh god at all no it pissed not me off so much yeah when he's like so you're not gonna read those just... novels because i'm not gonna give you time to yourself so you know like yeah. you could take the kids for one day to disney world and give her a day in the bath <laughs> you know but Jesus. see I, I didn't read it like that i read it like yeah. that wasn't their reason for going there it sure. wasn't but to me and this is where i get judgy about her and i have to watch myself because i'm like look if your arena always happens when you're on a lovely vacation <laughs> i just don't give a shit you know i'm sorry but if that's if that's the best you got you know whatever (laughs) if if the worst thing that happens to you is you stub your toe on the porch step of your cape cod you know um, right vacation home yes if the worst thing that happens to you is that you have to read your mystery novel on the plane (laughs) you're just not pulling on my heartstrings (laughs) but but that's me being judgmental and that's me making up stories i know. know 
So at least, God, at I least hope she never listens to this. I, know. I love her. I, know. I love her so much, and I respect her so much. And I, I say the worst things. It's just because well, I'm being honest. <laughs> a dear friend of mine uh, was listening to this, and and she knows how much I yeah. love Brene Brown and how much I love mm-hmm. her work, everything uh-huh. she does. Yeah. And she was like, "You have got to get in touch with Brene Brown and tell her about this and invite her on the show." And I was like, "Oh, honey, have you oh, lost no. your mind?" Like, no. <laughs> I don't want her to ever, ever I don't want her listen to, <laughs> to this. Because it's Not so even awful. a little. Because <laughs> everything I say is awful and I'm wrong, except for the one thing I'm mad about that that's coming later. I keep I keep teasing that, like, that's the big draw is Lonnie's going to get pissed off. Um, as though that doesn't happen all the time. Um, but yeah, no, like, I, I love Brene Brown. I would love to meet her. But God, I don't ever want her to hear this podcast. Well, but, but she... I think this chapter, you know, she kind of talked about this expectations thing. And I, when I first read it, you know, she was talking about expectations and how they align with disappointment. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, disappointment is going to be my sore spot. This is where Mm -hmm. things are going to get hard because Mm -hmm. I have had disappointments in my life. And that's where I thought I was rumbling. Right. Yeah. I was so fucking wrong. (sighs) So... (laughs) I was, when I was thinking about, you know, your idea of expectations and then how you get disappointed. Uh-huh. So like when you, um, when you have your first baby and you're shopping for a crib, like mm-hmm. you kind of get this, I guess it's like planning a wedding, although I've never been married, so I have no <laughs> idea, but you have this sort of dreamy expectation in your head of mm-hmm. how that will go and what it will be like. And, and for me, that whole experience was a, a, a terrible disappointment. And so when I was shopping for a crib, I was with my grandmother mm-hmm. <laughs> because there was, you know, no one else around to do that with me. Mm-hmm. And I remember her in, in her very sweet, genteel Southern way, you know, kind of patting me on the hand and being like, now, honey, are you, are you sure that you don't want to get married? And, <laughs> and I almost just, you know, kind of broke down in the middle of the store because mm-hmm. I was like, it's not a question of me not want. He's not on my front porch begging. Right. It's not that kind of situation, you know, and and it was such a big disappointment. And then mm-hmm. my cousins are legion. Like, seriously, we could we could <laughs> found a planet. And um, with all the cousins have come many, many babies. And most of my girl cousins are married to men who are lovely. And mm-hmm. they're so appreciative of them and they're good dads. And when babies are born, you know, there's all this love and appreciation and they do all these wonderful things for them. And mm-hmm. I watch that and it's not jealousy, but yeah. it ain't pretty either, yeah. you know, and disappointment on an epic scale hurts like hell. Yeah. And, does. you know, and so wanting to be loved and having you know, nothing but disappointment in that mm-hmm. arena. I thought I wrote in the book, I was like, what's a bigger word than disappointment? Cause yeah. this just doesn't cover it. Right. And then I wrote, mm-hmm. You know, I actually wrote, it feels like heartbreak. And then I turned the page and shit. Yep. Oh <laughs> God. And we get to heartbreak like, and that's grief. The, that's yeah. the next section, you know? So on page 142, she said, heartbreak is always connected to love and belonging. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I've always been, kind of on the edges or on the outside like I don't really belong anywhere or Mm -hmm. with anyone and when we get to year of yes Shonda Rhimes talks about being an FOD oh yeah different Mm -hmm. right and I am an FOD but that alone can be heartbreaking so it it was it's isolating Yeah. yeah and just saying those those words kind of saying 
I am rumbling with heartbreak. Mm-hmm. It it makes me sad. Like it's, it's really hard. hard. It is. So, it's incredibly yeah. hard. You know to acknowledge what the heartbreak is. You know because yeah. I mean there's nothing there's nothing about heartbreak and we've all experienced it. You know at some point or mm-hmm. another. Um, but there's nothing about it that isn't devastating. You know. Yeah. I mean if something so matters you... so much that it breaks your heart. Right. It's, it's how bad. did you do with the heartbreak section of this? Uh, this wasn't quite as easy as the other stuff. I wasn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I'm processing a lot of grief right now. You know, yeah. um, I'm processing heartbreak on so many different levels. You know, it's not just a disappointment in, you know, in what I thought my life would be. It was, you know, the destruction of a business that I'd spent six years building and working my ass off for. Like, I didn't just lose my husband, but you know, my business got destroyed, you know, and I was able to rebuild and I've had this amazing experience and I love what I do now and I, I like it more, you know, mm-hmm. but it's still like so much, it was so much loss and pain and, and a public humiliation and the person who I loved the most in the world betraying me. It was so many things all at once. And so for me to separate out all of those horrible things and be able to separate the the heartbreak from, you're right, there is to be a stronger word for disappointment because disappointment isn't even close. Disappointment is like, oh, I forgot. There's no new crazy ex-girlfriend this week. Like that's disappointment, you know? (laughs) Um, But like this kind of thing, like this kind of loss, this sense of, of just devastation, like it's, it's so hard. And so I'm looking at this heartbreak and grief part and I'm like, yeah, I can't even because separating out all of the things that have hurt me, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, I have taken on so much like emotional and psychic injury in the last, you know, I, I would say the last year of my life, but the last, you know, six months very intensely, you know? Yeah. Um, so to go through all of that and to try to process, you know, uh, the the disappointment from the resentment, from the grief, from the betrayal, from the like all of it is is just too much. So, you know, I was reading I actually really liked the stuff that she got from the uh, I guess the Episcopal priest, the, the guy named Joe Reynolds um, on page mm-hmm. 133. He wrote, my heart can be broken only by someone or something like my dog, though a part of me really believes my dog is a person to whom I have given my heart, you know? And first of all, like, I love the way he expresses that. I love the Mm. way that he very casually says, yes, my dog is a person to me. Like, (laughs) I think that that's awesome. Um, There's something about that expression that I thought like made him vulnerable and interesting and, and open. And I I really liked, like, I got a sense that I would like this guy, you know? Um, and, uh, and the idea that, that you can only have your heart broken when you've given it to somebody, you know, like you have to give it to somebody. And then later on, on page 134, he says in this really like very empathetic way. He says, heartbreak is unavoidable unless we choose not to love at all. A lot of people do just that, you know? And there's uh, something in the way that he expresses that that has so much kindness in it. Like, there's no judgment in a lot of people do just that. There's some stuff from C.S. Lewis at the end of this that I wrote curse words all over because I was like, screw you, dude. (laughs) Um, C.S. Lewis pissed me off in this, in this chapter. Um, but, but the way that he expresses that has, has so much kindness and understanding and empathy for people who who do that you know to avoid that kind of pain because it is 
it is really difficult. Choosing to love somebody is an act of incredible courage, you know, and it's, it's really difficult to do in a situation that you, you know, can't control and you can't control what another person is going to do when you give them your heart, you know, and, and you can give your heart to a dog and that's great. And the dog is probably going to be the most loyal, you know, dogs, dogs are pretty trustworthy, but they don't live that long. You know, they don't live your whole life. And I mean, you're going to lose that part of your heart when that dog passes, you know, because that Mm -hmm. is, you're giving your heart, you give a piece of it to everybody you love. And then, when, you know, and they're talking about the relationship between, you know, like heartbreak and grief and, and, you know, and the, the acceptance that something has to die, you know, that, that may be part of the forgiveness thing. We'll talk about that in a little bit, Jesus. Um, but, uh, but I mean, it's just, it's so like, you give a little piece of your heart to everybody that you love and some people destroy it and some people die and it's lost, you know, and you have to deal with that. But the alternative is, you know, not loving people or things, not loving anything that can leave you, not loving anything that can betray you or anyone that could betray you or hurt you. And the thing is loving any other human being comes with that risk that they are going to do something just horrible to you. Um, Mm -hmm. and they're going to break your heart and it's, it's part of what being human is. And, you know, right underneath his, his thing where he says a lot of people do just that they, they Mm -hmm. choose not to love at all. I wrote, sounds like a plan. (laughs) Well, you know, back to your echoing, Jennifer crazy earlier that if I cannot be a great example, I will be one hell of a warning. (laughs) I think this is, this is where I will be your warning because I think I chose that path for a very long time. And, you know, I found love in my son and in my Mm -hmm. friends and, and for a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, I have believed that that was enough. Mm -hmm. And in opening back up to creativity opening back up to the possibility of wanting more and wanting different it it makes you question that and starting to wonder is that enough you know and and would Mm -hmm. love be a possibility again but i don't think my heart can open back up like that or i don't think i would be strong enough or willing enough um to take on that that risk because Mm -hmm. you know grief is a bitch yeah. And and grief is worse than a bitch. Like yeah. I I don't have a word. <laughs> grief is fucking horrible. Yeah. And you know, grieving or or feeling a sense of loss for something that I've never actually had is ridiculous and yet it feels like grief anyway. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, do not freeze that part of your heart because thawing it out sucks. <laughs> and <laughs> Right, know, but and you're this- you're doing that now though. Like I don't believe for a moment that you're going to not find that you're open to it now. I don't know that I would go that far, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think with, with opening in any way that, mm-hmm. that you start flirting with or, or opening the door to, to longing. And yeah. they talked about, you know, the idea of longing, which was the hardest part of this chapter for me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so thinking about longing or talking about longing, especially in relationship to a heartbreak, mm-hmm. made me feel like I was walking way too close to a fire pit, you know, and the flames yeah. are pretty and the fire smells so good. And at night it's all romantic. And so you get a little closer and you get a little closer and then bam, you know, you're scalded and the pain of the burn is all consuming in your face down in the arena. And, you know, oh, you got to start the book all over again. <laughs> it's like, And I got to read the stupid book again from the beginning. <laughs> You know, but, but that is, that is one way to get your ass towered and, yeah. and longing 
leads to falling and it, mm-hmm. it can. And so like that pull, I feel toward creativity or toward happiness or to, you know, mm-hmm. feels lovely and exciting and, and pull and full of possibility until I stop and think about falling. And then I feel scared and I'm like, all right, no, I'm good. Let's yeah. just go back to, <laughs> let's go back to reading. So it's, Um, it's incredibly scary and then Mm -hmm. it's in, you know, it's incredibly uncomfortable, but at least what I do love Brene Brown for with this is that Mm -hmm. she gives me language that I didn't have Mm -hmm. before. And, and that is, that is empowering to, Mm -hmm. to have words to describe something that I didn't know how to describe before. So that was my hard part of this chapter, but you had a much stronger reaction and a a much harder part of the the end of this, right? With... (laughs) When she started talking about, um, about forgiveness. About forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Okay. I got to tell you something. I'm about to get really angry. So I got to tell everybody listening. I'm very uncomfortable with being angry and expressing my anger. Usually when I express it, I try to express it in a funny way so that I'm like funny, angry, (laughs) you know? Um, but this whole thing bugged me. Um, I've been rumbling with this, with this idea of forgiveness. Um, you know, since we had that discussion, uh, I don't know, it was last week or the week before they're all blending together to me. (laughs) I think it was last week, (laughs) a big marshmallow of trauma. Um, but, (laughs) but basically, (laughs) sorry, a big marshmallow of trauma. Okay, I, I have to make a, a request. Mandy K, yes. if you're listening, <laughs> I need a graphic that says the big marshmallow of trauma. <laughs> okay, yep, I'm sorry. there you go. There you go. Another classic metaphor from Lonnie. Um, but, you know, I mean, we were talking about this whole, like, you know, forgiveness thing and that I couldn't forgive myself. So, of course, I couldn't forgive him. And then, you know, uh, over on the Discord channel, people have been like, oh, my God, like, it is rumbling with it. Like, everybody yeah. is processing the idea of forgiveness. And we're all talking mm-hmm. about it from these different perspectives. And it truly is like this group rumble where everybody's like, well, mm-hmm. but here's the thing about forgiveness. And why should you have to forgive somebody? And then, you know, you forgive them and they're what off the hook, they're absolved. And it's this whole big thing, you know? Um, so it's, it's been really interesting. I don't want to share anything, you know, from the discord chat, because that's, that's kind of a, a very private and sort of like a really sacred space right now. Um, right. But one of the things that we were talking about is that we were looking for another word for the concept of, of releasing the anger and resentment without it having, you know, bugger all to do with the perpetrator because, you know, fuck him, you know, like, right. um, so I don't know. My nomination was the unfucking, you know, that like you, <laughs> you unburden yourself of all the bullshit that they did to you and that you don't have to forgive them because it's this whole thing, you know, you, the anger, yes, absolutely, is bad for you. And and um, the resentment and holding on to all of those bad feelings, yeah, you know, that's that's bad for you. And you should absolutely release that, you know. But to forgive someone who isn't sorry, who continues the behavior that hurt you in the first place, no. You know, like, and, and I was thinking about that. I'm like, why should my release of this anger, my release of this hurt and this betrayal and all of those horrible things be contingent upon this 
asshole who continues to do all the bullshit stuff that hurt me in the first place. Or my mother, who I forgave over and over and over again, and then just did the same thing over and over and over again. My brother, who I forgave over and over and over, and who came back and did it again and again and again. Like, I have forgiven people. I know that I can forgive people because I do it all the time. And anybody who has ever been actually sorry and has stopped, you know, the behavior that was hurting me, that was fine. I've forgotten it. Like, you know, forgive and forget. Boom, done. Like life is too mm-hmm. short to hold on to that stuff. But I don't see why my ability to move on with my life is now dependent on me forgiving this asshole. You know, like, why is that a thing that I have to do? What do I owe him? Nothing. I don't Nothing. owe him forgiveness, you no. know? And so on page 150, Brene Brown says, I wasn't surprised to find a growing number of empirical studies showing that forgiveness positively correlates with emotional, mental, and physical well-being. And I would argue that correlation is not causation. Forgiveness allows you to release what happened and move on, but it is not the only path to releasing what happened and moving on. You do not have to forgive anybody and then she goes into this thing from archbishop tutu where and i mean you know i have tons of respect for archbishop tutu and all of the tutus and i love saying tutu so i'm going to talk about him as much as humanly possible (laughs) but he says remaining in that state locks you in a state of victimhood making you almost dependent on the perpetrator but i would argue that telling a victim that they have to forgive their perpetrator is actually what does that. It's putting the weight of everything on the victim. It's now the victim's job to unfuck everything and forgive that asshole? No. And then later on page 152, he even says, you can even help the perpetrator to become a better person too. Well, you know what? Not my fucking job, Tutu. I am not here to make him a better person. That's his goddamn job. And whether he does it or not has nothing to do with whether or not I'm going to get over this or I'm going to heal from this. That if I can't forgive him for the horrible things that he's done, which, by the way, he says he's sorry for, but absolutely none of his actions prove that. And lying to me continually, even now, even about stuff that's going on now, is not an indication that anybody is sorry for anything. He's sorry that it didn't work out the way that he wanted it to. And you know what? Whatever. But that's not the same thing. So, right. you know, the people who haven't, you know, like my mother would never even admit that she did anything wrong. She would just pretend like nothing happened. And then I would forgive her. And I would say, here's this one boundary. And she would just walk all over it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've had so many people in my life who have absolutely refused to change the behavior, you know? And the thing is, is that with my mother, I have, I have been in a process of unfucking all the things in my life that she has fucked up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I am in the process of unfucking the things that my brother has done to me, which were horrible. And, and so many of these things are coming out in therapy that I just completely like set aside and hadn't talked about in years and years and years that I'm like, like revisiting now horrible things mm-hmm. that he did that I just let go because he wasn't doing it now because I was, I was not having a relationship. I was I wasn't trying to forgive him. I wasn't expecting myself to be able to say, no, 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 that's okay. You're absolved. You're absolved of nothing. You know, you go fix what you've done. You fix what's wrong with you and you get absolution from yourself. I'm not giving it to you, you know, but this idea that, that I have to forgive them in order for me to be able to move on, um, you know, that I found completely infuriating and you know what? I think I'm right. And you know, yes, 
I completely realize that the very fact that I prefer the unfucking to, oh, release it and let it go and move on, you know, in this nice <laughs> language shows that I'm obviously still very angry about this issue. I'm still having very strong feelings about this thing and that maybe my perspective on it might be somewhat clouded by my passions in this moment. All right, fine. Rome wasn't built in a fucking day. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that I have the ability to unfuck my life from what they've done to me without having to say, no, no, that's okay. I forgive you. I don't forgive you. I don't forgive my mother. I don't forgive my brother. And I don't forgive number two. And you know what? None of them deserve my forgiveness. So that's not my, that's not my problem. That's not my thing. That's not my fucking job. You know, Damn so. right. So anyway, this is the part that's... of the podcast where I stand up and applaud you because <laughs> I, do, I worried so much last time about mm-hmm. being a bad influence because I told you I didn't give a flying fuck if you ever forgave him. And girl, I still mean it. Like, I don't no. No, you're right. And I didn't, I didn't put that together until there was some discussion on the discord chat that allowed me. And it was some of this discussion that, that some people had, had made kind of this point, probably Mm -hmm. much more elegantly than I just made it. Um, but there were some people there who, who kind of said this and that was what turned on the light bulb for me that like, wait a minute. You know, because I've always been like, oh, I need to forgive and I need to, you know, and then I'm like, no, I need to forgive myself and I can forgive myself. You know why? Because I'm sorry, genuinely, and because I'm not continuing to do the behavior for which I am sorry that I've learned from this experience and I will never, ever, ever allow anybody to hurt my kids again. It's just not going to happen. Damn right. So, like, I know that and I'm going to forgive myself for it. It's going to be hard. It's going to take time, but I can do that. But like, yes. I don't fucking owe these people who did this to me and who are not sorry and who are not stopping the behavior that they did to me. Um, I don't owe them my forgiveness and they don't get it. You don't, you don't owe them any part of yourself. And, and again, I think that notion of forgiveness, if it brings you peace by all means, but if it doesn't hell with it. And I love the unfucking. Like that is, that is, the best idea uh, because <laughs> it's it's not about giving someone else a pass. It's about you letting go of the power that they have over you, yeah. you know, from hurting you. Right. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a huge difference in those concepts and I like right. the And they're correlated, <laughs> but I think yes. that you can separate the release that comes with forgiveness from the act of forgiveness. I don't yeah. think and you have to forgive anybody. It's a terrible word. I mean, you're, yeah. you're talking about, setting aside a debt right i mean Mm -hmm. isn't that the 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 true definition of the word Mm -hmm. well i'm sorry but at some point fuck that shit (laughs) like that's all i got but there's and it's not a a debt you know like he doesn't owe me anything my mother doesn't owe me anything my brother doesn't owe me anything but i owe myself not having these people in my life that's right and it's it's not about setting aside for them it is about healing for yourself and and exactly i'm probably a terrible example for all (laughs) spiritual things here but my goal in life is not to be mother Teresa. i am not looking for that level of enlightenment Mm -hmm. i do not want to be a higher being i am perfectly content being the smart ass that i am and that's good (laughs) but (laughs) that is that is not the goal Uh (laughs) but i think that what brings us healing and what brings us peace and what gives us faith and trust back in ourselves is the path that we follow yeah and that is what it's about and it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with forgiving someone else you know or, or i right. think we need we need better words which was we why the, 
that the Discord chat was so helpful for oh me, too. Oh, my God. I know. Because the only word that I had was forgive. And that word mm. is not enough. It's not appropriate. It's really not because you shouldn't be forced to forgive. The victim should not be forced to forgive because they have to do it in order to move on themselves. I don't think that you do. I right. think that you cannot forgive somebody and still move on and be just fine. And I, I just think that that word, the the mm -hmm. concept around the word is faulty. Yeah. And so you can release without mm -hmm. taking Absolutely. the responsibility for someone else away. Right. You mm -hmm. know, and, and to do that for yourself with compassion, I mm -hmm. think is, is where the power lies. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, like, I'm okay with forgiveness and I will forgive anybody who knocks it the fuck off, you know, right? and stops doing these things. You know, I mean, I am probably honestly one of the like quickest to forgive people, you know, and, and just, I honestly don't hold on to stuff except when people do really, really terrible things and then continue to do terrible things. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just like, I, I, there's no, there's no, you don't need to forgive. And you know what? And even if somebody is sorry and you're still like not okay with what they did, you know, if somebody like, like it's, it's a horrible example, but like if somebody like murdered somebody in your family, you don't owe them forgiveness. You can get over it. You can move past it. You don't owe them forgiveness. You owe yourself the ability to, to move through the trauma, but yeah. And, and their path to absolution has to be forged by them, not by you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Try being sorry, asshole, like <laughs> genuinely sorry. And then we'll see what you can do for yourself, but it's not my fucking job. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Anyway. Yes. I'm really, I'm really, I really hope nobody's listening to this in the car with their kids. I really because there's going to be like some kid in the back going, it's not my fucking job, mommy. You know? So. <laughs> yeah. Little Timmy. Sorry. He hit you. Forgive him. Bonnie Diane Ritz said, fuck him. I ain't gotta. <laughs> yes. Because this is the example that we want to set for the world. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with it. <laughs> I just, you know, for me, all roads lead back to Whedon. And I just oh, think yeah. a firefly and Captain Mal, and he's got mm -hmm. this, you know, he's fighting the guy, and he wins right. the sword fight, and he's like, I'm a good man, and he stabs him, and he's like, I'm an okay man, and he well, stabs okay. him again. Right. He's like, well, I'm all right. Exactly. <laughs> I am perfectly fine with yes. the I'm all right. I'm all right. Nothing uh, here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, I think that there's real strength in, yeah. in defining your own terms, mm -hmm. and I think that you've just done amazing with that. And oh, and you. I want to thank everyone in the Discord chat for helping us rumble oh God, with these words no because idea. it was it was so oh, helpful. And the rumbling was so beautiful. Like it was such a it it was such an example to me. Like because the rumbling is something that I've I've had a little bit of a struggle with. And as all of these people are discussing forgiveness, and they're all taking like different angles on it. But mm -hmm. nobody's like, no, you're wrong. They're all like, right. huh, but this is what I'm thinking. And then somebody else is like, ooh, well, this is what I'm thinking, you know? And so there's all this stuff going on. There's all that that rumbling, you know? And they're doing it so beautifully and with such respect and intelligence and enlightenment. And I mean, I just, I know I keep talking about the Discord chat. It is honestly like a life-changing experience. These people talking about these things, having these discussions in such a wonderful, respectful, thoughtful way. Um, it, it's honestly teaching me so much. It is. It is incredible. Yeah. So yeah. genuinely, thank you to everyone who's doing that with yeah. us. So we, we did end this chapter with, with kind of a positive lift. I think mm -hmm. we talked about compassion and empathy and the difference between empathy and sympathy. Do you want to kind of wrap up our discussion of the reading? I know you had some good notes on this. 
Oh, yeah, I got a couple of notes on this. I mean, it was one of these, it was like the come down after the fury. I was like, okay, we can talk about Pima Chodron. Sure. Um, so on page 155, Pima Chodron said, only when we know our own darkness well, can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. And I thought that was so great. I really, mm-hmm. really like that because there's, there's something in compassion that is about being able to see that other people like, you know, this, this idea, which she was talking about, you know, earlier when she was talking about that, that compassion that, you know, that when people are scared, they're not their best, you know, right. when people are, are scared, they don't behave to their to their best self. And, and if you can understand fear, and if you can understand that, that darkness and, and the things that, that make us feel that way, then you can connect with people, you know, and you can have that compassion. So I actually kind of liked that. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think compassion is always rooted in darkness, you know, but I think that, that you need to be able to understand all of those things, you know, darkness and, and frailty and fear, you know, uh, all of the things that make us not our best selves sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. thought that was really good. Um, the empathy thing, uh, kind of threw me for a loop. <laughs> Yeah. The way that she talked about empathy was really weird because uh, she says empathy is the ability to imagine but not feel. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not actually quoting her now, but the, the, right. the ability to imagine but not feel other people's pain and that that's what makes you truly empathetic. Um, so that would make my empathy pathological, right? Because empathy, like, apparently only counts if it's a choice, you know, and if you're not actually feeling somebody else's pain, which is actually what I do. Um, and I, I can't really help it. Like, I, I can't help being like that and so you know I look at this whole thing with empathy and I'm like I'm not really proud of my excessive pathological empathy because again it's not a choice it's not something I do deliberately like and I don't think that if I had the choice that I would choose it because it sucks okay so you're being ugly to yourself again oh I'm sorry (laughs) so uh no you don't have to apologize I'm just telling you you're not pathological there is a difference between practicing empathy and being an empath uh-huh. And you okay. could not control being an empath any more than you could control being psychic. Mm-hmm. Like if okay. you had, if you had this, you know, ability to tune in to a sixth sense, or if you had the ability to, you know, to feel something coming or you, any mm-hmm. of the sixth sense area, we don't understand very well. Yeah. That is different. Mm-hmm. And, and you are empathetic. Like you, you literally feel other people's emotions. That is mm-hmm. very different than practicing empathy in the way that that she's talking about okay Okay. so you got to give yourself a break (laughs) i felt very criticized i felt like oh right so it's no good so like but i i mean i you know i think that i practice empathy too i mean at least i i definitely try Mm -hmm. you know but her Um, her area of research is not around that sixth sense level of empath right Mm -hmm. right and so when she's talking about empathy she's talking about a deliberate choice Mm -hmm. that we make Mm -hmm. or we don't but you right. are, mm-hmm. you're so far above most people's ability in this area. That yeah. it's different I wouldn't call it above. <laughs> it is not a good thing. Well, I'm a, I wouldn't put any judgment on it. It's, but it, it is mm-hmm. a capacity that you have that most people mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. And, and so yeah. I don't think you should judge yourself for that at all. And she's not speaking mm-hmm. to it because that's not her area of study. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. All right. So I was, I was maybe a little, a little sensitive, a little defensive. I was coming down from the anger. No, you have every right to feel defensive. But if you look at the empathy scale, then you're an Mm -hmm. outlier. 
Yeah, no, true. True. You know, because you have such such a huge capacity for that. Um, yeah. But I think for if you're not an empath, then empathy is a choice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a damn hard one to make. Yeah, no, it can <laughs> you know, be. Because it can be choosing to feel how someone else is feeling is is difficult. Yeah, I can't imagine having a choice about it. And then you know that's what makes me wonder, like, because that's what the things like I don't claim my empathy as some kind of like you know big bonus to me like it makes me such a good person because I don't think that that it's just I don't have a choice like I can't help it you know um but I think that you know when when people choose to feel that empathy like that is that is an incredibly like loving and human thing to do well one of the good areas of science around empathy Mm -hmm. is its connection with story Mm -hmm. and the more that they learn about the brain's reaction to fiction Mm -hmm. and the 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 empathy that you gain through story and story as a vehicle for teaching empathy. Mm -hmm. It does give me a lot of hope for, you know, the power of fiction and and the purpose of it. And one of the reasons that we tell stories is so that we can become more empathetic people. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is a very good thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, along with your exceptional empathy, you also have exceptional story knowledge. Mm-hmm. So you you truly are an outlier in terms of a greater capacity and awareness for these things than most people mm-hmm. are. And so when you're reading that, I can see why you would see it as a criticism. <laughs> but I don't think that that's how it's intended, because right. you are simply exceptional to the case study of data that she's working with. Right. And I was just feel I was just feeling defensive. I think like no. now that I look at that, the way that I read it was obviously very defensive. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that you've given me a little perspective on that. Um, right. You know, and then moving on to sympathy. You know, mm-hmm. this idea of sympathy being this this pity. You know, this mm-hmm. like oh, you poor baby. Like you're looking down on somebody. You know, mm-hmm. and and being all nice about it. You know, but it, it is this this like really kind of negative thing. And I can I can kind of understand that. To a certain degree, although I guess like I've never really separated sympathy from empathy. Right. You know, I've always kind of felt like they were the same thing. My favorite explanation that I ever got for this was empathy means I will sit with you. Sympathy means I'm glad it's you and not me. Oh, God, that's awful. And we don't mean to be that way, but it is a human reaction. Mm -hmm. If something bad happens and someone's like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry, that poor, Mm -hmm. terrible thing. Mm-hmm. In the back of your mind is, but I'm so glad that's not me. Yeah. And that is sympathy. Mm-hmm. And empathy is, oh, that poor, terrible thing. Let me sit with you while you hurt. Right. And let mm-hmm. me feel this with you. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Wow. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. I mean, this yeah, is this is. is a tough concept to, to battle with. It is. As usual, Brene Brown kicks my ass. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my God. And next week we got two chapters to go through. God only knows what she's going to unleash on us. Well, what was the, the good? What was your, your aha? What was your big uh, idea from this? There, there was I, a lot of difficult stuff in here, but what's your big idea? I, I think for me, it's the unfucking. I feel like, <laughs> yes. I feel like for me, it didn't come from the book, but it was inspired by the book. So thank you, Brene Brown. Um, yeah, it is, it is the unfucking that you can, you can separate out forgiveness from the things that you need to do to release the bad things that people have done to you. I love it. So there we go. <laughs> How about you? What was your aha? 
So my also did not come from the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's the magic of figuring out what I actually want to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and letting Good. Letting things be guided by what I want instead of what is practical or what I need to yes. do. Or, mm-hmm. it, and it's weird. Um, but yeah. this this podcast has, has kind of flipped a switch in my brain that I can't switch off. Yay! Um, and, and so driving home from work uh, the other day and, you know, I was thinking about the book that I want to write. And instead of just sitting there in traffic thinking, I turned on the voice recorder on my phone and started talking as if I was talking to you on the podcast. And Yay! <laughs> um, it was so weird. <laughs> but um, but I realized I want to write about the idea of coming home to writing mm-hmm. for people like me who feel drawn to it and, and yeah. maybe wrote, you know, when they were younger, but then stopped and don't know how to go back to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's not just about, you know, writer's block. It's, it's not just about, um, creative strategies, but getting back in touch with the kind of that ignored writer inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to take the skills from my PhD training, you know, the interviewing and analysis and data collection, lit review, but I want to focus in in a completely new direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't just want to live my resume. So lifelong learning for creativity. I want to write about it. So it was, it was kind of a big idea for me. Oh my God. I love, I love that you're coming to making choices and making decisions based not on what you should do or what you think makes the most logical sense, but what you want to do. I think that that's so fantastic. I'm really glad that you're kind of like shifting that perspective on your life and on the things that you do. It's, it's weird, but it's, it's also really cool. Oh. Good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> so what about the strong challenge? What did you resist? Oh, I don't know. Can you guess? <laughs> oh, I think it starts with an F. And it's not it a four-letter word. <laughs> it's not, believe it or not. No, the, the forgiveness thing. I just like, yeah. I have resisted that. And usually when I come to resist something, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's usually the thing that I need to struggle with, that I need to face, that I that I need. I, I don't feel that way about this forgiveness thing. I think that I have broken open well, actually, I haven't. The people in the Discord chat did, but I'm not going to say who because that's private and that's their business to be able to come in and say, actually, I was the one who said. Um, but the separation of forgiveness from from the unfucking, like, um, yeah. that I think that that is a really valuable thing. And that's what I'm focusing on. Um, but I resist this idea that you have to forgive somebody in order to heal. I, I think that that's bullshit. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's my resistance. What's your resistance this week? <laughs> so my resistance comes from page 138 in the paperback. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, you know, lots of different kinds of heartbreak. And mm-hmm. she started talking about heartbreak from physical pain and heartbreak from physical mm-hmm. trauma. And I just can't, I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know that I even finished the sentence. And so that kind of heartbreak and the whole idea of longing and grief feel like things I should write about, but I don't want to, <laughs> I, am, I am resisting. Don't blame you. And, and you know what? And that's okay. Like, I think that, you know, we have this whole thing, like if you're resisting, you've got to face it and you've got to look at it. You've got to stick your head in that lion's mouth and all this kind of stuff. And I think that sometimes when, you know, especially cause we're processing so much moving so fast and like, the difference in you is astounding. It's amazing. I'm so incredibly proud of you. You don't need to move faster than you're moving. You know, like you go at your own pace and someday you may find yourself in a place where you're ready to talk about that stuff, where you're ready to kind of face that lion down, you know, 
but you don't have to do all of that today. And it's, it's totally okay. You don't have to write about it. You don't have to face it. You don't have to think about it. You are making so much progress. You are moving so fast as it is. Like, you know, maybe for a week, just put on the skids a little bit and like just <laughs> allow yourself skidding. to live with the progress that you've already made a little bit. I mean, maybe I that it. should be the homework for this week <laughs> is that we both just say, okay, you know? Well, and it's funny because uh, I do like the idea of a skid. Um, mm-hmm. because sometimes you got to stop for air and you got to catch you a do. breath. You do. And I you didn't, come I back didn't up write to the homework. Surface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For myself this week, except yeah. I wrote, you know, creative writing. Okay. That yeah. sounds easy. I don't know where to start. Someone assign me homework, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, I think that your homework this week is not doing any homework. I think that your homework this week is, <gasps> is allowing <What>? yourself <laughs> I know, I know, just when you think I'm going to zig, I zag, I am unpredictable. But yeah, like I didn't have any homework for myself this week either. And I think that we have both made tremendous progress. I think we both really, really need to have a mindfulness about kindness um, to ourselves. I think that we, we both need to develop just a quiet mindfulness about like, because the thing is like, we say this stuff. What we say is a fraction of what we think to ourselves. Like the things that oh, I think, yeah. the stuff that I say <laughs> is a fucking cotillion compared to the things that I think to myself, you know? And I think that maybe we need to, um, we need to, to have a week where the only homework we have is just having an awareness, not even resisting the thoughts that we have about ourselves, but we just need a awareness of them. Yeah, right? we need a fucking brain. We need a respite. Yeah. Like, so when you look at story structure, right, mm-hmm. and you're you're in that middle horrible part, one of my yeah. favorite parts of story is when the hero gets to rest. Yeah. You know, so like if you're on your way to Mount Doom and you get to go chill with the elves for a few days mm-hmm. or, you know, like when, when yeah. they, when they find comfort and they find a break mm-hmm. and, and people restore mm-hmm. them. I yeah. love that part of the story. Mm-hmm. Always have. It's yeah. one of, I just love it. And I think you're right. There is something to be said for giving ourselves a little bit of a, of a respite and just maybe being happy with everything that we've learned. Yeah. And kind of like, you know, looking back over, over what we've already done. Cause I think that, and this is one of the things that I wasn't expecting from this, but we have made so much progress so fast, both of us. Um, and, and I think that this week, let's just kind of take a breath, you know, let's yes. just kind of like live live in it and sort of solidify what we've already done. I think that's pretty amazing. All right. Well, good. I assigned the homework this week and the homework was fuck off. So yay. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Love it. So we end each week with a closing quote. And this week I have the quote and it comes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Who said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Big Strong Yes is a Chipperish Media production and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To find out how you can support Big Strong Yes and everything Chipperish Media does, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>